Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Appreciate you tuning in again. I have a special guest for you. Her name is Jody Sherman Gillen. She's a Globe Medical Lead, Patient Engagement and Rare Diseases at Pfizer. Jody Gillen started her career in advocacy, hospitals, and government both here and abroad. She has two decades of industry experience, both in large and emerging pharmaceutical companies across virtually every therapeutic area. She excels at creating diverse and broad functions that companies developing products might not even realize they need. For instance, Achillion Pharma, Jody joined at the POC stage and built out a basic policies such as interacting with HCPs and contributions, as well as all medical affairs functions, including field medical, MI, publications, meetings, advocacy, alliances, grants, compassionate use, and transparency. Her background is in epidemiology, and her passion is leveraging big data to tackle industry-wide challenges such as diagnosis. She often speaks externally and holds several board and committee memberships. She's currently an advisor to the Texas Medical Center's Innovation Institute, wherein she advises the institute as well as startup pharma, digital, and AI companies they support. Her current role as head of patient affairs for Pfizer Rare Diseases will be eliminated in January, and Jody is seeking to return for a smaller, innovative, nimble organization where she could leverage her skills and make meaningful impacts on patients. So true, true privilege to have her on the podcast here today. And Jody, just want to open it up to you to welcome you and also to add any other details in the uh, intro that maybe I may have missed out. Well, thank you so much for that. It was very comprehensive and just an update. I'll actually be at Pfizer through February 1st, but I'm currently pursuing my next career opportunity. And regardless, I must share that my disclaimer that the views expressed today are my own and my cumulative experience, not necessarily those of my current or any previous employers. Love it. No, I appreciate the, the clarification there, Jody. Why did you decide to get into the medical sector? Yeah, so I've actually been working with patients since high school. I was volunteering at what was Beth Israel Hospital um, in the East Village in New York City. And for me, it wasn't a question about entering the medical sector, working directly with patients. It was whether or not I wanted to be a medical doctor or go into health policy. And I actually made that decision when I was in college. I was simultaneously a White House intern with Monica Lewinsky, actually, at the Office of 
AIDS policy and then working at Georgetown Hospital in, on an HIV study and an infectious mm-hmm. disease clinic. And I was seeing these patients and entering trials and they're already sick and really limited options. And then working on AIDS policy, I was really focused on HIV prevention, education, changes in policy. And I just felt like I could have more of an impact on a larger number of patients by focusing on health policy. So I actually went on to study public health and then work in advocacy and government. Very nice. So it's been a part of your your DNA. It's been your really your life and you just kind of turned to the policy side rather than the practitioner side. And so today, you know, you've you've had quite a bit of experience with different companies. What do you think is a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda and how are you approaching it? Yeah, so I think that everyone currently should be thinking about artificial intelligence and and big data and really thinking through and and trying to understand all that he leveraged from it and how their organizations, whatever their organizations are, whether they're a patient group, pharmaceutical industry, payer, society, how they can find answers to tap challenges or tools that are at their fingertips. And I think industry-wide, we're really at the precipice of major advancements. We have these brilliant data scientists, and I think now we need to really direct and pose the right questions and pull together stakeholders to solve problems that we haven't yet to date, you know, such as around the challenges around diagnosis. And, you know, we probably have the answers that patients can all be quickly or immediately properly diagnosed rather than have a journey to diagnosis. And I think that we just need to know how to use these tools and come together to solve these challenges. Jody, I think it's a great call out. And I think we're getting better overall. And um, more and more data scientists are getting farmed out and of the universities today. It's a hot career. And uh, I definitely think that if uh, I agree, you know, organizations not considering these techniques and and ways of, of solving problems need to consider it. Give us an example of how you've created results by doing things differently. Sure. Well, I've been leading patient engagement at both large and small companies. And at both, my philosophy has always been everything could be done better when you partner with patients or patient groups. And I literally mean everything. So it could even be deciding on a new indication and really understanding unmet needs, benefit risks, doing that, that journey work, the insight work, you know, even looking at how to revamp a protocol or even building out value propositions for payers and doing things really early on, not when you're just ready to go for reimbursement. I'm also a huge fan of multi-stakeholder engagement. So often, and, and I think this is across industries, we'll go out, we'll seek feedback from different groups of stakeholders. So in industry, we might go to a group of patients, we might go to a group of payers, maybe even nurses, them patients. But I'm a huge fan of bringing everyone together, posing a question or a challenge, and then trying to solve it together from all different viewpoints. And I think you have a much richer output. So Jody, when you bring people together, do you feel like there's uh, power in larger or smaller groups? Or how do you typically do it? 
Yeah, so I don't think the group needs to be any larger per se. So an advisory board might typically have about 10 stakeholders. And previously, I might do, you know, two of each stakeholder. And I've even had ethicists help guide my, my policies principles for a company. What I like to do is get really diverse opinions. So if I have two ethicists, I might have one from North America, another from Europe. If I have two patients, I might have one that, that's a patient thought leader, super savvy, really technologically inclined, and another patient who's maybe never been on a computer and really unaware of how to access information on clinical trials. So it's all about getting really diverse perspectives, which then at the end, if you can solve a challenge together from all these different perspectives, you just, instead of going back <laughs> and trying to yep. pull it together later in the office, I think it's a much richer product. Love it. No, I love the detail there. It's uh, important for us to consider different approaches when coming together for solutions. I, I, you know, it's cool. I did a, I did a workshop with IDEO. It's a firm that, that designed the first mouse for the Macintosh. And uh, they had this firm philosophy about small groups, like six, no more than six, but everybody has their own way of doing things. The key, I think, Jody, that I love about your way is, is getting different stakeholders and even within a stakeholder type to get the opposite ends of the spectrum. I think that's super valuable uh, tips there for the leaders listening. Tell me about a time that you've created results by doing things differently. Yeah, results by doing things differently. I'm really a huge fan of thinking out of the box and thinking innovatively. And something that I even like to do is build up my stakeholders. So instead of one and done, I'm able to build up their infrastructure and capabilities so we can keep coming back to them and growing together. So an example was actually um, a bone marrow disorder group, being able to support them so that they can create a group of patients to be able to provide impact on all type of industry questions. So not only helped the company that I worked for, but it helped all companies. And I really like to give either even internally or externally tools. So it's not something where someone does something once, but they have tools, infrastructure to rely on, and they're able to grow and innovate. I think that's really neat. And, and so from the perspective of stakeholders and, and building these groups, focusing on advocacy and making sure they get their voices heard, share a time with us when you had a setback and what you learned from that. I mean, I guess right now I feel like I had a setback. I never thought I'd be in a position where I'd be looking for employment, where I might have a period of unemployment. And it's a bit shocking. It's, of course, anxiety provoking. Mm -hmm. I've been in industry now for 20 years. I've gone through so much change, so many organizational restructures, overhauls. You come in thinking you have one function and a few weeks later, you're leading, you know, a whole different set of departments. And, you know, I think it's really important to grasp everything as an opportunity rather mm -hmm. than a setback, to take everything as a learning and just really focus on the future, not see things necessarily as a mistake, but what can I learn 
and what can I do now and move forward and make things even better overall. Love it. Yeah, I, I love the attitude. Attitude is altitude. And <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite sayings is it's not the wind, but how you set your sails that ultimately determines the end. And so, I mean, with the, the amazing things that you've done, Jody, and the experience that you have, I have no doubt you're going to land on your feet. Thank you. No, it's a really <laughs> exciting time. So thank you. So what would you say is uh, looking kind of in the rear view mirror, what would you say is one of your proudest medical leadership experiences? Yeah, so it actually goes way back to the very start of my career. I was working at the first ever HIV advocacy group in Israel. So yeah. Israel, in terms of you know HIV and, and policy, was about 10 years behind the United States. And virtually no one got tested as any result would go on a citizen's permanent record. And to me, that was the greatest impediment to progress. And mm -hmm. in general, I always try and do a root cause analysis. You know, what is the hurdle? What is the real issue? And I had the privilege to go before the Israeli parliament and lobby to change the laws to anonymous testing. And I was able to accomplish it. And for me, that, that was probably my proudest moment because also I didn't learn Hebrew till I was 21 years old. <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, so, and just being able to see that that one change really had such an impact on the course of the epidemic in that country. And it just gave me the advocacy bug from huh. then on and drove yeah. my career decisions and eventually moved into the private sector, but really stayed focused on patient advocacy. Love that. So you literally went in there and were in parliament speaking in Hebrew and you got this done. Yep. I have to say I'm like the <laughs> highlight of my entire career when I was That's about awesome. 22 years old. <laughs> that is awesome. Nice work. <laughs> Thank you. That is fantastic. Well, I can't say that anybody on the podcast today has uh, done that. So kudos to you for that. <laughs> <Feet>. <laughs> and it's made a difference for the country uh, as, as, as I could imagine in a big way, you know, anonymizing this test probably led to a huge surge of people testing themselves. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also what made me really interested in epidemiology and just understanding what is actually the issue and the impediment to improving outcomes. Love it. This is really great. And, and so what would you say today is an exciting project you're working on? Yeah, so for me now, it's what I'm looking to take on as I move forward. And you mentioned that I just accepted a role as an advisor with the Texas Medical Center, their Innovation Institute. So I'm going to be helping startups to spin off. And I really enjoy these really broad roles where you help enable companies across so many different functions. And I'm also moving more into the artificial intelligence space, doing more talks. And more recently, I just got invited to Dubai and then Israel to give talks on conferences that their governments are leading because they want to be more active in this space. So for me, it's 
kind of refocusing where I spend my time and the type of meetings I'm now presenting at. Love it. And uh, there's no doubt you continue to follow your passion. You're continuing to make impact on patients' lives. Let's pretend you and I are putting together a course on the ABCs of patient engagement. So this is going to be a lightning round. I've got four questions for you, followed by a favorite book. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the best way to improve health outcomes? Yeah, so it goes back, and I think there's a common theme throughout my interview, but you really need to get the insights and truly understand the challenges and obstacles. So an example could be, you know, challenges around diagnosis and underdiagnosis, and we especially see that in rare diseases. Could be a lack of awareness, a lack of education. It could be guidelines aren't planning the correct tests, or it could even be that you have the right guidelines and they're permitting the right tests, but maybe you don't have the right trained physicians administering those tests in a hospital. So to really make improvements, you have to fully understand the issue. What's the biggest pitfall to avoid? So one that I see often and get complaints about from patient groups is going to external stakeholders, specifically when you need something and only when you need something. So My analogy is you treat all external relationships like a marriage, so or at least an ideal marriage. <laughs> so it should be should be ideally built on trust, transparency, and open and constant communication where you're meeting each other's mutual needs. Love it. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? So I think understanding gaps and making commitments to overall disease area and then communicating and making sure that your communications are targeted to each audience. So, you know, if it's patients leveraging social and digital media and having the right campaigns, you know, if it's physicians, it could be CME or congresses, but making sure that you communicate everything you're doing appropriately. This last one, Jody, is a two-part question. What is your number one health habit and what is your number one success habit? So I like to run, but I also just started an anti-inflammatory diet. So I'm testing Mm -hmm. that out, but I have to say I'm cheating with dark chocolate and wine. (laughs) (laughs) So there goes that. You got to have your pleasures. You got to have your pleasures. Yeah. And my success habit. So I have a to-do list and what I have items at the top of my Outlook calendar each day that I plan to tackle each day. And I actually won't leave the office till I do them. Nice. Love your commitment. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Jody? So actually a book I'm reading right now, it's called Our Bodies, Our Data. It's by Adam Tanner. And it's about the multi-billion dollar patient data industry. And For me, it's really illuminating. It was actually recommended to me at a New York City healthcare artificial intelligence meetup. It's my first such meetup, and I was in the room with data scientists half my age. And the topic was re-identifying patient data, which was a bit startling to me because I couldn't conceive why anyone would want to do that. And it really got me thinking about how patients are willing to share their data, but they want two things. And the first is to ensure privacy and that it's protected. And the second is to understand the output. How is it used and what did anyone find based on their data? 
What a great recommendation and truly kind of a relevant topic in today's age, today's economy. Jody, this has been a ton of fun. I, I definitely think that whatever's next for you is going to be exciting and impactful. So definitely looking forward to staying in touch. I would love to hear a closing thought from you and then the best place where the people could reach out. Sure. So I guess my closing thought is there's so much that we can be doing to benefit patients and, and make improvements in their outcomes. But I think like Hillary Clinton says, it takes a village and we could do a lot more joining together across industry. So I'm a huge fan of pre-competitive spaces and multi-sponsored consortium to come solve these problems together. And I welcome everyone to stay in touch. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jody Sherman Gillen, and it's J-O-D-I-E. And as you can tell, I'm quite candid. So feel free to be candid back and tell me if you loved or hated my interview. <laughs> I love it, Jody. Well, folks, there you have it, Jody Gillen. And uh, by the way, if you want to get the entire transcript of today's interview, links to the book she recommended, as well as any of the other points we discussed, just go to outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Jody, J-O-D-I-E, and up that episode will come. You'll have access to all of that. So Jody, just want to say thank you again and uh, really looking forward to uh, hearing your progress and staying in touch. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was my first podcast. Oh, nice. Uh, I'm glad it was with us. <laughs> me too. <laughs> thank Thanks, you. Jody. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 